Welcome to the Unmasked Podcast. I am Etsy Talene, and I am joined tonight by Akira. Hello, Akira. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> it's going well. Uh, I have to tell you guys that this is our take two because I hit record and then I muted everybody and I'm like, I can't hear you. Are you talking? <laughs> so... Sorry, I'll, I'll get my I'll get my act together. I've been up since four a.m., um, so yeah, yeah. I probably should have taken a nap, but hey, we're here. We um, had a shout out to you last week. We were talking about you, and so we are glad to have you back tonight. We missed hearing your voice last week. Yeah, it was really crazy the past um, couple of days for um, yeah dealing with Hurricane Irma. Um, I mean, before the storm even hit, until after the storm hit, it's been it's been an interesting journey. Um, especially from the start with like people, other friends of mine who don't live in um, any areas that get hurricanes, they're blowing up your phones with, "Okay, have you did this? Are you you know, are you sure you're okay?" and everything. And it's like, yeah, guys, I've been yeah, I was like, I've been through a few high profile or pretty intense storms. So, um, I mean. So it's mostly like my mindset with any storm is like, I don't really want to freak myself out too much. It's like, just do whatever I can to prepare and then just, um, you know, sit and bear it. Um, but yeah, um, we weren't told my area particularly, particularly wasn't told to evacuate. So, you know, we just decided to sit it out. Um, so, you know, it's like, don't get it twisted guys. If, if my area was told to evacuate, then yes, we would evacuate, but that wasn't the case. Um, but luckily, um, we didn't get the eye. Um, so thankfully, um, I mean, there were a few tornado warnings and everything. So mostly throughout the area, it's mostly just, um, down trees and whatnot. So being without power for about five days was interesting. Kind of a throwback memory to, uh, your time, uh, without power post hurricane Andrew, but, um, yeah, so once the power got back on, you're like, all right, you're getting back a little bit close, getting back to normal somewhat. Uh, work was being, uh, not being able to go to work for a week got kind of interesting because cabin fever eventually started to set in somewhat. Definitely. Um, again, because, yeah, I mean, again, because people um, leading up to the storm were, you know, so many, so many people lined up to get gas before the storm hit, and then it was the same thing afterwards. Um, so yeah so after i mean there's still some people um that i know of that are without power still so i'm just keeping my fingers crossed for them that they get up and back up and running soon but you know everybody um thankfully from my family is okay and made it out made it out well so thank we're thankful for that definitely because i can't imagine five days. I just, you are a trooper and I'm glad it's over for you. And like you said, hopefully for the um, rest of those folks who are still dealing with not having power, that will be reconciled quickly because that just sounds terrible, terrible, terrible on so many levels. So um, we're almost done with this season. We're almost done with the season and then it'll just be, let me see, maybe a few weeks until we're into season three. How excited are you? Oh my God. I, I mean, really now my thought process with it is I just keep thinking back to when BD Wong tweeted, um, tweeted that he, um, he was just, I don't think you guys, you know, more or less I'm paraphrasing it. He's like, I don't really think you guys are aware of just how not ready you are for this season. And <laughs> the more that I see, pro- the more promos that I see for this show, I'm just like, all right, yes, you are right. I am not ready for this. But at the same time, but at the same time, I'm just, I want to see it so much. Um, I'm just so excited for what we are in store for. Um, I mean, with every promo that comes out with the up, the newer trailer that we got to see i'm just mm-hmm. like i'm just I'm, I'm basically just ready to have my mind just completely obliterated i'm not even gonna say mind blown it's like just go ahead and obliterate you know completely just do away with my brain and yeah i'm just really really excited to see what is in store for us in season three basically and southern cynic and i were talking last week and um 
she said that she thinks people should take some anxiety meds before they watch it. I said, I, I didn't know if I wanted to drink before or after the episode. I was worried if I drank before, I wouldn't be able to tweet. So yeah, I think we're all anxious and excited <laughs> at the same yeah. time. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't have any. I don't have anything that can relax me uh, <laughs> nearby in case I need it. Um, but pretty much my go my go to is uh, whenever anything happens on the show that literally springs me up out of out of my seat. I usually just tend to spend the commercial break pacing around the room. Um, I guess trying to calm down <laughs> after whatever it was I just saw. Um, so yeah, I mean we'll see we'll see how well that does me this season. Um, if I need to step it up a notch to maybe um, some anti anxiety meds or um, or downing a quick drink or two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can't even imagine. I'm just going to have to warn everyone. Maybe I'll let Hubs watch with me since he's caught up. But then again, I don't want him to talk to me at all. So we might have to <laughs> watch it <laughs> in separate yeah. rooms or something. I'll be like, you go watch it downstairs. I'll watch it upstairs. And you can follow me on Twitter if you want to hear my thoughts. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to, yeah, we're definitely getting around that time to where, you know, you definitely need to let people know, um, okay, Mr. Robot is going to be starting in such and such, um, I think now it's about three weeks or so, um, making sure that anyone that doesn't watch the show just knows, okay, during this time period, uh, every week from this day, starting from this day until this day, you are not allowed to bother me at all during that hour. Exactly. <laughs> you, know, don't, you know, I'm like, don't, you know, don't even think about having to contact me for basically for that hour. Um, and maybe, maybe at least another hour there after the show, because I mean, usually for me, I'm still pretty high. It, you know, it takes a, it takes a while for me to kind of, come down off of the high that is watching this show so that's you're absolutely yeah, right because like usually an hour it takes me like an hour to calm down enough that I can actually like go to sleep because mm -hmm. I'm so amped up and I was telling Southern Cynic my alarm goes off between 520 and like 540 so me staying up till midnight is not a good thing, but I think I'm just going to be a wreck the day after Mr. Robot for the duration. So I'm just going to have to deal with it. Yeah, but it's all in good. It's all in fun. It's all in the experience, though, of watching the show. Um, so yeah, I'm just yeah, just ready for it all. Ready for the entire experience to start all over again with the new season. Yeah, I might um, tweet out a question and ask people, what are your Mr. Robot ground rules? Because I think we, we all have them. If, if we're sharing a home with someone, you have to have your Mr. Robot ground rules. So maybe I'll, I'll tweet out that question tomorrow or tonight, depending on how exhausted we are. So we're on <laughs> Python part one, if this was a two-parter, and we almost should have just watched both and talked about them, but that's fine. So um, the end of the last episode, um, we see some things happening with um, Angela and Elliot. So it ended um, with this interaction with Angela and Elliot on the subway, and Angela basically tell, told Elliot that she knew that he started F Society, she warned him about trusting Mr. Robot, and she also told him that she couldn't take it anymore and she was going to go to the FBI. So Dom was basically successful in shaking Angela up. But um, what happened was after Elliot got off the subway, two people walk up to Angela, and we kind of start this episode with Elliot pondering basically what Angela said and kind of questioning um, Mr. Robot and kind of this omnipresent Mr. Robot who sees everything and is always kind of in the background. Um, and we get mm -hmm. to see him try to lucid dream. 
What did you think the first time you were watching this and you're seeing Elliot going into this lucid dream state? Um, uh, in, ter- in terms of it giving us a different perspective um, for Elliot, um, I mean, I really don't, I, I mean, Sam never really runs out of ways to keep the viewer on their toes. Um, and I mean, essentially for us, with for us as the viewer, we pretty much are seeing this from Elliot's perspective. So for us, um, I mean, I'm pretty sure some fans have wondered, well, I wonder what, how everything goes, how does, how are things whenever Mr. Robot is in control? Um, so this definitely gives us that sense where we're finally on the sidelines and watching him take over more or less. Um, it was a bit, um, a bit, it was kind of, um, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. I mean, I guess because we're so used to seeing everything from Elliot's perspective, it was a bit, I guess, disconcerting to and having to remind yourself, okay, we're supposed to be in the background now watching Mr. Robot do this, uh, do his thing. Um, because I guess prior to knowing what we know about the revelation about Mr. Robot and, you know, we thought, okay, well, not everybody, people, you know, most of a lot of viewers who caught on to it from jump was like, oh, you know, Mr. Robot is a hallucination anyway. Um, you know, you, unless you were looking for that, you might've thought, okay, we're seeing Elliot and then we're seeing Mr. Robot. Um, but it was definitely, yeah, definitely just a little bit, you're kind of just discom- kind of a discombobulated feeling, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. um, I guess cause we're, cause you're again, so used to being kind of in the forefront more or less, but then again, given, I think also what we're going to see in season three with uh, Mr. Robot again, taking ownership of everything, saying everything was my, you know, this was my idea. I'm the, you know, I'm the, you know, I'm basically the key to all this, but also, which is different because we're, we're also used to people telling Elliot, oh, you're the key to everything. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, again, I guess, again, guys, get ready. If your brain is not, I mean, even now talking about this, I'm like, oh my God. I'm still not ready for all of this. <laughs> you, you know, know you get, you get I, your I, mind right. It's hard to think about, and I think you you put it nicely. It's hard to think about the fact that Elliot and Mr. Robot are the same person. You know, it's the same body, and just I don't know because you you have a tendency to just think about like when Elliot is asleep. And Mr. Robot is doing what he's doing that really Elliot is not physically asleep, but it's really Elliot who's doing that. And just hearing Angela and Darlene both talk about Mr. Robot like he's a separate person apart from Elliot, it's just, for me, I just forget. Although I know it's Elliot, I still forget that it's not a separate person. And it's kind of just like this effing with your mind that they're so good mm-hmm. at. They're just so good at doing that. And ugh, it's great, but it's also like you have to think hard. Like you have to think hard the whole time yeah. that you're watching this series. You can't you can't be a lazy you can't be a lazy viewer. I mean you can be a lazy viewer, but you're not gonna understand what's going on. Exactly. So you definitely do yeah, so definitely it's like drop drop everything, pay attention to what's going on. It's like don't think it's basically almost to the point where you're almost even afraid to blink because you might miss something. Um but yeah, it definitely is. I mean, I know that I have moments too where I'm having to remember, wait, just like you said, they are one and they are one and the same. They are not two completely different entities um, that you, you know, as Darlene and Angela talk about them. Um, even Krista and um, also mm-hmm. talks about, um, well, actually, I think Krista, she has, she talks about him, I think, in both, and from both viewpoints um there are some times where she would talk about him as if he as if they're two separate um people but then you know she also in telling Elliot earlier this season 
you know, he's a very much a part of you, whether you want to, you know, whether you like it or not, he is a part of you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I think it's just keeping that, keeping that in perspective, keeping that in the back of your mind also, because I guess maybe this is, maybe it's me being as stubborn as Elliot, you know, to think, no, you know, I'm trying to separate the two, but it's, again, it's having to remember one and the same that, you know, Elliot is Mr. Robot, Mr. Robot is Elliot. Yeah, and, and it almost feels like Elliot has to accept the fact that Mr. that he and Mr. Robot are one and the same, and that it's not necessarily mm-hmm. going to be a a fight, and someone's going to win. That he's going to have to figure out, you know, this other part of himself. He can't either ignore it or forget it. All these things he's done in the past, he's going to have to find a new way to interact with Mr. Robot, understand Mr. Robot, because Mr. Robot does not mean him anything but harm, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. He's just basically trying to manipulate Elliot to get to the end game that he wants, even if it hurts Elliot. Like, he tries to protect Elliot, but he's willing, I think, to sacrifice Elliot to be in control. Definitely, and and especially in terms of protecting him, um, it's pretty much... And for me, in the sense of, you know, him protecting him in order to serve his own interests in the mm-hmm. end, um, because, you know, obviously, Mr. Robot realizes that, yes, you know, even, you know, he is, you know, he does need Elliot in order to get this done. Um, so, yeah, so it's definitely that, you know, I'm happy, me especially having to remind myself that, okay, when you see Mr. Robot taking on this protector type of um, um, attitude or characteristics towards Elliot, I'm having to remind myself that, wait a minute, he has an ulterior motive too. His, you know, their motives are changing, are increasingly changing now. So they're with being at odds with each other. So, oh yeah, if you've seen him protecting him, don't get, don't let that fool you that there is an ulterior motive. There mm-hmm. is a self-interest involved here. That's true. That's true. And we saw what that self-interest was because, um, the last episode, Elliot, when he was trying to find out where Terrell was, he had us look around his apartment because he figured out that Mr. Robot wanted something from the apartment. And he had us look around last week. And then this week, we see Mr. Robot find um, the menu um, from the Red Wheelbarrow barbecue joint um, with a code written on it. And it's, it's really cool that... Um, you know, now from people, if you haven't, once again, if you haven't read The Red Wheelbarrow, please read it. But you now understand that Elliot naming his notebook, The Red Wheelbarrow, all of these things, it was almost his subconscious telling him that, you know, this was important. This was something that you had to remember for phase two. But Elliot couldn't quite, you know, have that breakthrough with his memory but it's still Mm -hmm. showing us that he is some way cognizant of what Mr. Robot is doing. If, even if he doesn't remember it 100%. Definitely. Um, Yeah, definitely. And then I think also, you know, in terms of, I guess, Elliot having to cope, um, you know, with losing, with losing, um, memories of what happens whenever Mr. Robot is in control. Um, I think that that is something that Elliot continues to struggle with. And, um, and I think that that's, again, one of the catalysts for him really wanting to um, promote himself to, um, force himself to lose a dream. Um, I think at that point, he's just, um, I think at that point for him to do that, he's also, I think, getting to the point where he, at the point where he's questioning, okay, can I really trust him? Especially because Angela is in his ear telling him, don't trust this person. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, given their history with everything. So, you know, she's obviously looking out for his well-being. So if she's telling him, don't, um, you know, don't trust Mr. Robot for him to go ahead and do that, which now rewatching this episode again. And of course, now that, and, and, seeing Angela tell him not, to tr- you know, telling Elliot not to trust Mr. Robot. I mean, the wheels in my head are turning, turning, um, especially in seeing um, 
a lot of the promos for season three um, and seeing what type of turn Angela is taking now. It's kind mm-hmm. of, you know, making you wonder, hmm, is she, all right, is she going to be telling, you know, does she, does she still share that? Um, don't trust telling, telling Elliot, don't trust Mr. Robot or has she completely flipped on that sense? Because, you know, seeing what happens with her later on in this episode. And yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. And I think it's interesting that um, it speaks to the relationship with between Elliot and Angela that he does take into consideration her opinion about Mr. Robot to that extent that he actually works to investigate what Mr. Robot is doing in this way instead of um, what he was doing when he was in jail, which was just like forcing this regimen to just ignore him. But in this instant with the lucid dreaming, he's almost trying to spy on Mr. Robot. So he's just taking a different path because of what Angela said. So I just thought that was interesting that she has, I don't want to say control, but they have that type of relationship that he trusts her to that level, um, almost in a different way than he interacts with Darlene. So I thought with, with our past conversations about Angela and about Darlene, it's just very interesting how the two relationships are so different with them both. Yes, yeah, definitely. Um, but we do see that... Um, We'll, we'll, we'll wait to talk about Terrell because that's going to lead us into the next episode. But we do see Angela after she's been snatched up. Um, just Basically, just like Dom said, that the next people who get you, it's going to be snatched off the street and just kind of thrown in a dark room. And that's exactly basically what happened to her. Um which I thought was very interesting. Was that a coincidence? I don't know. I don't know. What did you think about this whole van ride to the suburbs? Oh, the whole van ride. The van ride to the suburbs. Um, pretty much, you um, pretty much could get from it that it definitely was not um, any type of FBI pickup or anything like that. Um, I mean, just especially seeing from Angela's face and the way that um, the two um, people just approached her on the train, you're just thinking, okay, she is either completely fucked or, yeah, you're kind of like either. I mean, either scenario, you could you could have come up with a multiple number of scenarios in your head, and either way, you're just thinking, okay, this may not go down that well, but at the same time. You know, me, you know, wanting to have continue to have faith in my girl, Angela. And it was like, no, she's going to come out of this. She's going to come out of this. Um, not all, not all is lost here. Um, but, didn't but, you think, but, but didn't you think like this is the first time you see Angela in a difficult situation where she just doesn't know, she doesn't know what to do. Like we've seen her all mm-hmm. season in these situations where you're like, oh my gosh, she's caught. And she pulls it out. And I feel like Mm -hmm. this is the first time you see her really floundering. Like she had, she didn't know what to do when she was in that band. Yeah, I'll definitely, definitely agree with you there. Um, I mean, especially with how she handles it, you know, she's um, trying to make it seem like, Oh, Oh, did you really think I didn't, you know, I have, there are other copies. Do you really think that, you know, and she also, um tries to play the you know i'm a very important person um people are going to notice that i'm mm-hmm. missing and and i mean I, for me it was um um the most telling part about that to know obviously angela where you could say whatever isn't you could you know you yeah you could say whatever it's not going to work they've ended up turning up the volume to basically just um to drown her out mm-hmm. um so yeah, this was definitely one of those situations where you definitely, I mean, she does have moments where you do in the past where you see her flounder a little bit. And, but this was one where the floundering was on a completely different level where it just seemed like no matter what she tried, there was just no way for her to get the upper hand mm-hmm. in this situation. Um well, and that's because yeah. look at who she was up against. There's no way you're going to get the upper hand. 
Of course, definitely. Nowhere <laughs> for that. Um, yeah, yeah. Nowhere that she was going to be up for him there. Um, no, you know, but I mean, I couldn't. Im- I couldn't imagine being in that situation. Um, you go into this this house, and it's like immaculate. There's not a thing out of place. And you're walking down this hallway and you see all the photographs with like the post-it notes over everybody's face. So you can't Mm -hmm. even see who's in the pictures, which is just so weird. And then you walk into this room and it's like you're in a completely in another world, you know, um, with that hang in there kitten poster. And as I was watching it, I thought, I bet that hang in there poster was for the viewers. It was for us because I remember the first, the night we, I watched that originally, I was so, I was just so anxious and I was so stressed because I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know what was going to happen. That fish was dying in that tank. (laughs) These questions that she was being asked were just so weird. And you see that poster like, over Angela's shoulder saying, hang in there. And I'm like, okay, Sam, I'm going to hang in there, but I feel like I'm about to die. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah, definitely agree with you there. I'm feeling that the hang in there was, uh, you know, a nod to to the fans watching the show. Um, um, But I think not just for that particular scene, but I think, you know, um, I mean, I think maybe... I guess for some, for some people, I don't know, um, you know, have to, having to remember that this is a show that has, um, that, you know, Sam has everything worked out. So it's almost, I mean, but I guess maybe more so with the hang in there. Um, and also I guess thinking, um, with the reception that season two got overall, because, um, I mean, some people loved it. Some people completely hated it. Some people were kind of in the middle. Um, but yeah, I think, I mean, I mean, I, I think season two, I think people just didn't really, I mean, it's like you said, season two was pretty much a roller coaster ride. And really, you can think of this entire show as a roller coaster ride. Um, and then thinking that, you know, there is a purpose to everything. Everything that Sam shows us and doesn't show us is there for a reason. Um, and you just gotta be patient and just have the, um, just have the, the will to sit through it and analyze everything. And some, um, yeah, there are some things that don't really need to be analyzed that much, but I guess that's just the nature of the show. And, mm-hmm. um, I guess how, I guess as fans, how we've been groomed to look for, look for something in the smallest minute detail. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, really with really the whole payoff with that scene, I mean, yeah, this, I mean, later on, um, as that scene further develops, as we get close to the end of that episode, that has, um, definitely made my list of one of my most favorite scenes of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, but it is a show that, um, I think does require some patience. Um, and because it's like, trust is like that patience guys, you're, you know, there is a payoff here. Um, yeah, I, yeah. yeah, I guess maybe, yeah, I guess maybe that could also be maybe some, in some ways, some, uh, like a nod to how people, um, received season two um well i think the show i think the show is interactive and they've Mm -hmm. definitely worked to make it interactive for the fans like Mm -hmm. um the the computer program that they're using in this episode um you know as as viewers we can log on and we can do the same thing that Angela was doing. Um, we can play land of Echodelia for ourselves and experience that like she did. So I think they make an, a concerted effort to keep us interactive and involved. And the only way I could think that you not enjoy season two is if you are a casual viewer or if you're not also a participant you know what I mean? If you're just mm-hmm. 
casually viewing it, or like I said earlier, being a lazy viewer. Like, I, can't, I just can't imagine if you're actively engaged in this show not liking it. I just, I just can't. I just don't, I don't understand that, but I guess that's because I'm a fan. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and really, I mean, I think probably even before a lot of the interactive um, components came into the show, the show, um, from from the first minute of the pilot, I think, re- required you to be a participant in some way, shape, or form. Um, you know, it's, I mean, especially, I guess you could say, with the whole, who is, you know, Mr. Robot and being a, being a figment mm-hmm. of his imagination, you know, um, for those people who saw it. But also... Sam has said, you know, it's not like I hit it. You know, it, it was obvious from the beginning that yes, Mr. Robot was not real. So, yeah, I mean, so yeah, I think it's definitely been a show where you have to be an active participant from from the jump, from jump. So, um, yeah, I mean, if anything to that, you know, I mean, um, you know, you can't force anybody to like to like anything that you like. So for those who, you know. But basically, I'm just saying for those who maybe did, who did not like season two, I'm pretty confident that season three is going to completely turn things around for those viewers. Yeah. Um, I mean, either way, I mean, either way, I mean, I'm, yeah, I mean, still, we're just anxiously counting down and waiting for the, the big reveal of season three, especially for this one scene that Sam keeps, that Sam hinted at mm-hmm. on Twitter, just saying, you know, a month from, uh, when he tweeted it, a month from now, everyone's going to be talking about that one scene, so... <laughs> I'm just like anxiously counting down to when we can actually be talking about it. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be great, but let's get yeah. back to this. Let's get back to this. So basically Angela is being tested by white Rose, and, um, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like Philip price is the reason that Angela is on white Rose's radar um, because he's basically been using her um, this whole season and White Rose tells Angela she should have been dead. Um, She doesn't understand Philip Price, his fascination with her. Um, And I think it's also revenge because Philip Price kind of forced China to give them this huge loan, um, interest-free he um price was threatening her um i think two episodes ago so it's and we had this conversation that every time philip price thinks he has the upper hand white rose has something else in retaliation or to come back with and so now white rose's next move is to basically um take angela and that is so interesting that these two powerful people see the value of Angela and what she can do. And I just think that's, yeah. I just think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, really with Angela, um, I remember back going all the way back to season one, you know, just um, around episode three saying to myself, you know, just watching Angela so far, how she evolved um, up into those three episodes in that season. And I'm just watching this and I'm thinking, uh, I was like, Angela is going to be much more important than we think. I'm just going to, I was like, I'm just going to put that theory out there. I mean, at that point, um, people probably could have heard that and thought that I was completely nuts to say it. But, um, you know, because people were like, Angela of all people. And I was like, yeah, Angela of all people. Um, and, you know, cause I don't know, I mean, for me, I'm kind of one to root for someone that's perceived to be the underdog. And also mm-hmm. with that, again, with people constantly wanting to underestimate her character and even White Rose, I think, um, to a, to an extent underestimated her character. And I think, you know, cause as he tells her, she's like this penny, annoying penny that keeps popping up. So... Um, yeah, Angela's yeah, a, a survivor. Yeah, so, and and even, 
and even crazy enough, he told her that, you know, really, you should have been dead 90 days ago. (laughs) (laughs) It was just like, okay. Um, Yeah. uh, But but yeah, but he just kept, but I think definitely, like you said, it was Philip that Philip's interest in her that um, maybe that I guess played a role in keeping her alive to that point. Um, because it was just what, you know, as White Rose said, it was just, what is it about you that is so special to him? Um, so, yeah, I mean, and then, uh, and then, um, you know, the interaction, further interaction between um, Angela and White Rose. White Rose even gave up 28 minutes of her schedule to talk to her. To talk I know, to Angela. that's a long so, time. Like, like, I yeah. don't think she gave Elliot that much time. How much time? No, did, do you, it was not 28 minutes. And they're like in cahoots together. And Elliot doesn't even get that much time. Yeah. I mean, there I say, I, I want to say it was three minutes. Mm-hmm. But maybe for Elliot. I don't, I don't Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it to make sure. But yeah, but to give Angela that much time, even White Rose acknowledges that, yes. Um, so that is, you know, for me to give that much time is very generous of me. Um, so, and then to tell, and then to further on with the interaction between the two of them, Angela just saying, you're telling why Rose, you're a horrible person. You beat, you know, you beat, beat that little girl. And I mean, just watching Dee Dee Long in this scene again, again, just amazing, amazing work. And mm-hmm really just the way that he delivers everything in the scene and just telling, um, and just telling Angela after, uh, she says, Oh, you beat that little girl, like makeup, you know, everything was a test, you know, would you have empathy or gullibility, you know, whatever you want to call it. I mean, again, the delivery, my God, the way he's, the way he says it, it just cuts you deep. You're just, my God, you feel like he's talking to you almost. Um, as he's saying this to Angela, um, but yeah, but again, essentially just say that, um, you know, what is it about, you know, he, I, you know, she needed that much time to determine what is it about you that's so special. And also to tell her that you need to give up this, um, this crusade that you're on to uh, get to the truth or whatever, mm-hmm. because ultimately it's going to stop my, it's going to stop my project and White Rose is just not going to let that happen. Yeah, I think it was it was a it was a very interesting move that White Rose basically told Angela, you know, she was responsible for the death of Elliot's father and her mother. But if that hadn't happened, you wouldn't be the person you are today. Like Mm -hmm. it was still a horrible tragedy. And the fact that he that white rose could say that to her and probably calculate that she would accept that and join the dark army. I just think that's just a very powerful risk to take. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess if she didn't, you know, accept, she just would have killed her. Yeah. But then, um, I also, I mean, I'm reading some, um, a, a few articles, interviews that Portia, um, gave, um, with regards to that scene, for Angela, she, you know, she was saying that at that point, right before that happened, Angela was going to go and confess to the FBI and just completely mm-hmm. just put herself at the mercy of the FBI. So for her, she, um, Angela is basically in a position where she's basically got nothing left to lose at that point. Yeah. Um, so I guess maybe for White Rose to come in and say, um, you know, you and yeah, you and Elliot would not be who you are if it wasn't for what happened to your parents in the whole Washington Township uh, situation. What if I told you that their death was a sacrifice for the greater good? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also, and then also in saying that, you know, going back to what um, uh, to what Beatty Wong has said um, in interviews, recent interviews, saying that uh, that White Rose is someone who. Uh, does the things that she does because she believes that it's all being done for the greater good. Um, and what the greater good is, you know, we will hopefully soon find out. Um, 
but yeah, but Angela just basically being at that point where she's got nothing left to lose. So I think she, you know, can just throw caution to the wind and just go ahead with it. Mm -hmm. And I guess maybe, and then go ahead and put her full belief in white rose. Um, essentially pretty much <laughs> what we see. Um, yeah. And, and we saw maybe, so she gave Angela 28 minutes and we maybe saw five or six minutes. So we don't know what the conversation was for the rest of that time, because then we see a completely composed Angela go to her lawyer's house to basically say, I'm not going to be a whistleblower. Don't call me again. <laughs> so she basically mm -hmm. broke up with her lawyer. Um, ponytail back at full mast, you know, looking calm and collected. <laughs> um, she had her ish together once again, back to kind of um, dead-eyed, focused Angela saying her personal mantras once again. So I don't know what else white rose said to her but angela is convinced yep most definitely um yeah angela is not at a point where she did not come to play no no <laughs> so. no but speaking of people who didn't come to play let's talk about dom <laughs> <laughs> so Dom is in the hospital. Um, the, in the last episode, we saw the Dark Army came and shot up the diner. Um, at this point, they're not telling us who survived, but we know that Dom is okay. Um, so she's having a conversation with Santiago. Dom, of course, has a clear picture, and she wants him to call Comey. She wants it to be declared um, an act of war against China. Um, and Santiago has to break it to her that uh, money speaks louder than any hack or any bloodshed because China just gave us, gave Evil Corp, was it $3 trillion? Um, uh, $2 trillion. Yeah, so $3 trillion with a TR. Um, so basically, we're going to look the other way. And Dom is, I feel like she's crushed because then we see her at home with Alexa and she is basically, I mean, she, it's like she's basically trying to have a connection with Alexa and Alexa's trying to be cute. Um, but I don't know. I just felt for Dom. Like she just seemed so disappointed in that moment that what she knows should happen isn't going to happen. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Um, with Dom, you know, but we know that even though uh, China donated the money, donated, gave the money, um, to help Evil Corp. We know that Dom is not going to let this go. Dom is going to continue to be Dom and find a way, try to find a way around it because she essentially, her, her life's purpose is bringing people who need to be brought to justice, bringing them to justice. And, um, and then when she goes home and she has that conversation with Alexa, um, for me watching that scene again, I mean, initially when you watch that scene, it is a bit heartbreaking um, to watch that, but in watching it today, I mean, I just couldn't really help but think that in some way that scene is kind of a commentary for, for how humans interact when, how, how humans can interact with each other, essentially, because the way, I guess, that technology has evolved, you could be in a room with somebody, and you could physically have a conversation, right, you know, a face-to-face -face conversation, but for the most part, you probably might you know, have that conversation through your phones or through whatever other tech technology devices at your ex mm -hmm. is at your um, disposal, um, and that and then and thinking about it from that perspective, that even made it that made that watching that scene again even more sad because I mean it's so true. Um, I mean the I mean I just I guess people are continuing continuing to lose the art of having a face-to-face -face conversation with somebody. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, you even, know, and, you know, like my hubs and I, he'll be, I'll be trying to talk to him and his face is in the phone. Like he's talking mm -hmm. to me, but he's looking at the phone and I'll be like, I'm right here. Like, can you look at me? So definitely yeah. that, that um, technology getting in the, 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 the space of human interaction. But, you know, yeah. we, we had started, we were talking about each one of the ladies more in depth and we've talked, we talked about um, Joanna last week. And so that leaves Dom. And so I was, you know, kind of thinking about Dom, thinking about what we know about Dom and reading about her a couple of places. And what I have come to the conclusion is that I don't believe anything Dom has ever said about herself like telling um, Romero's grandma that she wrote joints for her brother, um, telling Minister Jean that um, her boyfriend asked her to marry him and she basically just walked away from that relationship. Like, I feel like everything she says is calculated to get the reaction she wants from whomever she's interacting with that I don't... Mm -hmm. Even more than Elliot, I don't trust anything Dom says in her interactions with people that seem where she's talking about herself personally to be true. Yeah, I, um, I, yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I mean, because, I mean, we, in watching Dom throughout this whole season, um, you know, she um, is definitely one, definitely very observant. And from that, she's able to utilize that to change um, her current situation to her advantage. You know, when she goes to visit Romero's mom, mm -hmm. um, you know, she pretty much, um, you know, their trash, everyone's trash was basically out in front of the house. So she's able to go through that and see, okay, well, dig up any little, all right, what is, what, what's going on in the trash? How can I find out about you based on what you throw away? Okay, you do this or you do that. But also, you know, I mean, she had other means to get that information as well. But, um, um, and of course, watching her interact with uh, White Rose as Minister, as Minister Zong, she's able to change, um, eventually after a little bit of shakiness, able to change that conversation um, to the point where she's able to, get a lot more information than I guess she might let let White Rose ministers on believe that she's gotten out of mm -hmm. you know out of them and um yeah, yeah because I mean, it, it seems calculated because when they're in that interaction you kind of as a viewer think oh Dom is kind of being vulnerable but then you see her the next day talking to the FBI agent and she um when the woman said where did you where did you go? And she tells her, I had a um, conversation with Minister Zhang. He showed me his sister's, I don't remember what they're officially called, but his sister's dresses, but he doesn't have a sister. So it's like, while she's in that interaction, she's still gathering data. She's still gathering information on him and, and filing it away. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, you're right. She's very observant. She's very focused. Um, she's very tenacious um, with justice. And you have to wonder where that comes from. Um, she does seem alone and lonely. I think you can be alone but not be lonely. Um, because, like, I enjoy being alone. But I don't often feel lonely. But with Dom, it does feel like she wants relationship but she doesn't want relationship if that makes sense mm -hmm. i don't know yeah no it completely makes yeah no it makes sense to me that um yeah you know like she you know asking alexa like oh alexa do you have a boyfriend and then uh, alexa tells her you know i'm not debating time and she's like yeah me too um <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah, and maybe just uh, I, maybe also part of that is you know maybe she's been without. I mean, who knows how long she's been without it? That you kind of forget how to yeah. 
Yeah. You know, it was kind of for her, I guess, you know, I guess even if she did want any type of uh, companionship or just any type of real interaction, it's almost like, well, how do I, how do I get genuine, how do I go about getting it genuinely? The only time we kind of heard that is when she was, the 4th of July, when she said she was going to find a a 4th of July barbecue to go to. So Mm -hmm. she made that effort, if we can assume that's true, Um, which in that instance, I feel like we kind of can, um, that she did, you know, try to do something social. Mm -hmm. I don't know if she wanted to, or maybe just tradition or what, but. Uh, yeah, Dom is very complex to me. Uh, every character on this show is complex. Um, but yeah, I think Dom is a mystery to me. So I think the only other thing we have left to talk about is um, Elliot was able to, as Mr. Robot, um, use this code to go to a um, address or basically an intersection and he was supposed to get into a cab and we see Elliot following Mr. Robot, which is so weird. Um, (laughs) And he's going through Mm -hmm. the swap meet and I don't know if it was just me, but didn't, didn't, did Colby walk past Elliot? Like he's in the middle of the swap Um. meet and this guy in a suit with gray, kind of longish gray hair, walks past Elliot. We don't see him from the front. We just see him from the back. And I was just watching it, and I was like, was that Colby? And I probably should have rewinded it, but I didn't. I was just going to ask you because you catch everything. <laughs> but um, that, was, <laughs> that, was, oh, yeah. that was what struck me. Uh, That's what came out at me. But I mean, like, he didn't look at Elliot or, like, turn around or anything. So I just thought maybe – but it just seemed out of place that there would be a businessman in a three-piece suit that late at night in the middle of a swap meet. It just seemed weird. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, giving me a little bit too much credit. There are some things, unfortunately, <laughs> that I do tend to miss. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I try my best, but there's still some things I managed to miss. Um but yeah, the first time that I watched that scene, I remember thinking the exact same thing. I was like, wait a minute, Kobe? Like, uh, Kobe, what are you doing there? Um, so um, yeah, so I definitely agree with you there that I think that that could have been Kobe there. Um, again, I guess maybe a way to kind of always play with their minds type of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, just uh, again, following... Um, Again, in following uh, Mr. Robot around. Which is um, yourself, which is yeah, so which weird. Is yourself, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and he did say that because he said, Mr. Robot, and he was talking about the cab, and he's like, I'm Mr. Robot. Like, he had to remind himself that he was the person who needed to get into the cab. And mm-hmm. then we see Terrell who's walking down the street in a three-piece suit, I don't know, to get into the cab with Elliot. And he's basically talking about um, stage two. Elliot is blown away because he believes Tyrell is dead. And he keeps asking the cab driver to turn around and confirm that Tyrell is real, that he's actually there. And, and he's getting agitated. And um, that's kind of where we, we end the, the episode. Um, so I kind of do wish we had just watched both of them. <laughs> so, so we can just start talking about what happens next. Because um, I have strong feelings about that episode. I can remember certain tweets I tweeted that night because I was so angry. Um, at people who kept wanting Tyrell to show up. Um, but we will finish up the the season next week. Next week it'll be done. And then um, I guess we'll take a little break until the 
um, season premiere unless we decide to do a podcast about the red wheelbarrow. We'll have to talk about that. But yeah, this was a good episode. Um, you know, it definitely ramped things up again for us. So it was exciting to um, watch. And I was talking to you before. There is a book that's out. It came out in July. It's called Beyond Good and Evil. No, it's called mm -hmm. Beyond Good and Evil Poor. And it's basically a collection of essays, um, Mr. Robot and Philosophy. So I guess people have written about 19 um, essays. They've been edited into this book. You can buy it on Amazon. So I don't, it's by, um, edited by Richard Green. I don't know who that is. But um, there was a review out about the book. Um, it came out today. The review did, not the book. So the person who reviewed it um, kind of had some mixed reviews. And I think it's basically, um, the reviewer was saying, it's just difficult to write about a show like Mr. Robot. And I know Southern Cynic and I were talking about Mr. Robot fan fiction last week. And I was saying how I don't, watch, I don't read it because she really... You can't write like the writers write Mr. Robot. So mm. I almost feel like anything that's written about it in a way that's supposed to be entertaining, um, it's going to be difficult to do because it's such a complex show and it's so well written. But would that be something you would be interested in reading, like these essays or... Um, I mean, it's something that I probably would look into as far as, I mean, maybe I might read an essay or two to see, um, to see if it's something that I probably would want to continue reading. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, but really in terms of, um, I mean, outside of reading reviews of the show in general, um, and other fans interpretations of, um, of episodes and whatnot, um, I'm, yeah, I'm with you as far as fan fiction. I just, yeah, I can't really bring myself to read it. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's. I don't know. I mean, I guess I don't want to take myself out of the world that Sam and everyone else has created so much. Mm -hmm. um, have you know, with all the detail there, I guess I kind of just want to stick to that world. Um, but I mean, with this book that you were talking about with the essays. Um, you know, like I said, maybe read one or two to get an idea of what they're talking about, more or less. Mm -hmm. um, but well, but yeah, I, I mean, I I'm going to nominate you to take one for the team. <laughs> <laughs> read a couple essays and come back and tell us about it. Okay. Uh, let, right. us, let us know if we should spend our 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 e coin on this on this book um, and and see if it's, it's if it's worth spending the time. Um, something else that came out this week: Southern Cynic um, posted a, another photo of Rami as um, Freddie Mercury um, this week, and we saw him more in performance mode. So. That was that was interesting to see. I'm actually getting kind of excited for this movie just so I can see, you know, Rami doing his thing. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm definitely the more that I see about um, the upcoming Queen uh, biopic, um, the more I get excited about that. Because uh, yeah, I remember uh, not yeah just recently what it was the. Uh, it was, um, I guess, footage of uh, them filming the Live Aid um, concert. And, uh, of course, watching Rami and uh, seeing a few reactions on social media. Um, some people are already saying, based on just what we saw of the Live Aid, Live Aid, Live Aid footage, filming footage, um, some people were just, okay, go ahead and give, just go ahead and give him the Oscar already. Uh, but Wow. But, yeah, I mean, but really, when you look at what Rami did, and then you go on YouTube and you search for um, Queen at Live Aid, I mean, in terms of the mannerisms and everything, he, he's got it. Mm -hmm. um, he's definitely got the mannerisms down. Um, I mean, 
to a T. I mean, if you have like side by side comparisons of watching the um, the footage of them filming uh, the Live Aid uh, for the Queen biopic, um, at the same time of watching the actual performance, yeah. I mean, I mean, we already know that Romney is the type of you know he goes all in when it comes to mm-hmm. his performances. So I mean, for him, you know, when it was revealed that he was going to play this part, I mean, you knew he wasn't gonna half-ass this whole thing yeah. um you know so but yeah but i'm just really i'm excited to see it um and of course yeah just being ready to go into the theater and sing sing the songs with all sing the songs with everybody Definitely. um yeah yeah my yeah. kids are getting my um my boys are i don't want to say how old but um my boys are getting into more music and they like queen so it's interesting to to um see it through their their eyes and hear the music through their lens and stuff because they're like mm-hmm. do you know are you a fan of queen mom do you know this song and i'm like guys seriously <laughs> 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 So, so like you, I'm excited. I'm excited for the music. I think this is going to be great for Wami because he's had this critical acclaim on the small screen with this role. So it'll be nice to see him on the big screen and something with some meat to it. You know, we've seen him in um, Night at the Museum, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And um, we saw him, I guess he was in Breaking Dawn. I never saw it. But we googled it last week. Yeah, he was he was in part two, and yeah. um, for that one, my sister and my niece dragged me to the theater to go see that. Um, okay, was he a vampire or was he a werewolf? He was a vampire. Okay, so he had glitter yeah, so. on his cheeks. What is it? They have glitter <laughs> or something. <laughs> 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 okay. Um, uh, for what I remember, I don't think that the sun came out during that uh, during any scene that he was in, or maybe it was, but I just can't, I can't remember seeing him shine. I don't remember seeing him sparkle like a diamond. <laughs> well, that's a thing. Oh <laughs> what does it shine bright like a diamond? <laughs> well, I wanted to say shine bright like a diamond, but um, but in the but yeah they yeah those vampires they sparkle i was like i'm so i need my vampires to burst and burst into flames whenever the sun hits them you know yeah. I'm gonna, I'm, when it comes when it comes to vampires i'm old school give me give me the lost boys oh please give me the lost boys any day <laughs> yes yes <laughs> lord yes okay so i won't be watching breaking dawn and if there are any twilight fans <laughs> who are listening we respect your fandom. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's time for the shout out. So I'm not actually going to shout out a particular podcast, but I'm going to shout, shout out a hashtag. So there was a hashtag um, that was going around today, and the hashtag is POC Casters. So P O C C A S T E R S. And so it's basically all of these um, podcasts by persons of color. Um, I was on the um, hashtag a little bit earlier tonight, and there were some really interesting things that people are doing from sports to relationships to health, um, blurred stuff. So there's just like lots of great podcasts out there by people of color. Um, So there's lots of diversity in the podcasting world. Um, And now there's a nice little hashtag that you can follow or, um, type into your search bar um, and find some new things to listen to. So there were definitely several that um, I was interested in. And I'm, I did, of course, tweet out our podcast so you can go on there and find us. And um, Akira was nice enough to give us a lovely, lovely picture of herself. You look so beautiful, Akira. You're going to get some, <laughs> you're going to get some fans of your lovely face, girl. Oh God! You're sounding like uh, you're sounding like my family members from that party that I went to <laughs> over the weekend. That party? <laughs> Are we gonna call that a party? Uh, um, depending on who you ask, um, you could call it a party. 
Um, but yeah, like I said, guys, I've been, I've had cabin fever because of Irma. I needed to get out. Um, but you know, before that party, I ended up going to, um, I went to a Depeche Mode concert. Um, yes. so I got to see them for the second time and it was amazing. Uh, I love me some Depeche Mode. Um, so <laughs> yes, they did. They did play walk. They did play walking in my shoes. Um, mm-hmm. so yes, of course, some Mr. Robot, uh, feelings there too but of course I squealed with every single song that they performed um yeah and then um the next day after that I went to the party um again depending on who you ask if you want to call it a party um so yeah I got dolled up um because yeah know, my you, everyday you life more was, than, you yeah. look more than dolled up you you were looking yeah. pretty hot you were looking pretty hot well, thank you I mean because if anyone sees me in my everyday it's I'm I'm a jeans and t-shirts kind of girl yeah so um but you know when I do it up I do do it up (laughs) I respect uh, it I respect it yeah (laughs) yeah um but yeah so (laughs) okay but (laughs) fun times fun times fun times (laughs) so you guys You have spent another hour and some change with us, so we hope you liked it. We have one more episode for season two, um, and then we will be ramping up for season three. I am super excited. If you haven't been able to tell, we are super excited. So um, I am at Cetaline. You can find me on Twitter at C-T-A-L-L-E-E-N. Tell them where they can find you, Akira. You can find me on Twitter at HelloFriend, H-3-L-O. Zero F R I three N D one. That is it. And you can find this podcast on Twitter. You can go over there and follow us at Unmasked Podcast. And um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And please remember, we are part of the Brothers Comic Family of oh, Podcasts. Is. So that's it. That's all. Good night, everybody. Bye, everybody. Yo, Percocet, Miley Percocet. Chase a chick, chase it. never chase a bitch.